Hey there, I'm Everett. I'm Baron. And welcome to Bro, Bro Have, Have You Seen? Seen. Yes, another week, another episode. Yeah. We're back. Yeah, we've got the lights slightly dimmed tonight for some <laughs> reason, uh, but it feels nice. You know, I'm in the right mindset for recording a good podcast about a nice, comforting Pixar film. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah. Indeed. How has been your week? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's been pretty good. I've been finishing up school. It's the last week. Got all my finals and big tests, but I'm almost, almost done, so sweet, super excited about that, very relieved. Yeah, I'm also relieved, because uh, Tuesday and Wednesday we were pouring concrete, uh, and that was a lot of work. Yeah. So, we're done with that. Today I kind of just stood there, made nice. sure made sure people didn't crash into each other. Uh, Sounds so like a fun, fun. day. <laughs> yeah, movie-wise, been pretty slow, but, you know, it's... That's what it is, so. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple things to bring up at the end, as always, uh, with our What Else Has Been Entertaining You This Week mm -hmm. uh, segment, and I'm excited for that, because I've seen some real doozies. Nice. Um, but uh, the main doozy was, of course, uh, Toy Story 2, which we're talking about it at length today. Mm -hmm. um, what were your kind of general thoughts about Toy Story 2? Uh, I just realized now that we didn't really come up with a setup for this movie. Nah, that's um, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> how did you like it? What did you think about it this time? Yeah, uh, it's. I actually recently watched this. It's a shorter span from when I last watched Bugs Life, which we talked about last month. So I rewatched this more recently than Bugs Life, if that makes any sense. I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah. So I, this is more fresh in my mind. I've right. seen this more recently. Longer, less time has passed in between viewings. Yes. Than, exactly. Then with Bugs Life. Yes. Cool. Exactly what I meant. Um, so a lot of stuff I remembered. I remembered a lot of the scenes, but I, I remembered a lot of the scenes and not just from last time I watched it, but from as a kid, but I just could never remember how they all went together and what order they were in. And so it was good to see everything play out. I think the plotting and the, the pacing is really well done. Like it can, yeah. in the transitions between the different characters and where they are, there's like a couple different uh, plots going on. And as they all kind of come together, like I said, the transitions all tie in super well. And it was a really quick movie. It's like an hour and a half. So it was perfect. Just throw that on at night. And mm -hmm. it was a good one. I liked it. Yeah. What did you think? Nice. Um, yeah. Well, I guess different from you, um, this has been a very long time since I've seen it. I think I haven't seen it since I was a really little kid. Um, yeah. So it's probably been at least 15 years, maybe, Dang. around there that I haven't seen this. And it was really good refresher to go back and, and check it out. So I'm glad we're kind of doing this little project here, a Pixar project. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. The pacing was phenomenal. I thought it was, it moved at a very brisk pace. Um, there were multiple threads going on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Woody's whole storyline. There's um, the subplot with Buzz and the multiple Buzz characters and then like the rest of the gang catching up with them and I feel like there's another plot that's kind of going on at the same time um, I don't think there is maybe just well, the two but yeah I mean there's Woody well I guess Woody would be the other like uh, roundup characters 
but then you got like the mobile gang and then the people back home. I feel like there was something else. I mean, there's like Al, but yeah, yeah. There's Al's storyline. I guess he has a couple scenes by himself, right? Um, but that mostly revolves around Woody's. It's kind of the main story. Yeah. But anyway, like yeah, it keeps bouncing back and forth Mm -hmm. at least between the two uh, main subplots, and it works really well. Um, they don't spend too much time at either place, but it also didn't feel too jumpy. You know, we got a little bit of breathing room, and I liked that a lot. Um. The main thing that stuck out to me, though, was how funny this was. Yeah. This is the funniest so funny. Pixar movie so far that we've talked about. Uh, way funnier than Bugs Life and quite a bit funnier than Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was really enjoying myself during this viewing. Um, yeah, what kind of, like, jokes stood out to you as far as humor goes? Yeah, it was very funny. I would totally agree, and I would also agree that it's the funniest one yet. Um, there was a couple smaller things. I mean, there's a lot of bits, uh, kind of one after the next and some similar ones to the first movie, but just some smaller things I liked. Uh, uh, Andy's mom says, oh, you got five minutes. And he's like, five minutes. That's just like a classic. And then he like plays this huge, like he sits up all the soldiers and has like this huge <laughs> production in five minutes. Yeah. And that's just such a funny thing. Cause as kids, you're always like you're getting that last five minutes, like you're swimming at the pool and your parents are like, oh, five minutes. Like, it's just such a classic thing that is super relatable to any kid that has to live under their parents' timetable. <laughs> um, so I really like that little tiny joke there. Yeah, I feel like kids, five, you can do a lot in five minutes yeah. as a kid. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a line that Wheezy said where uh, something along the lines of, she just told him that to calm him down. And... It was when they put Wheezy on the shelf and said he was broken or, like, they fixed him or got rid of him or whatever. Um, and that's another thing where, like, your toy breaks or something and your parents just, like, tell you that it's going to get fixed or something just to calm him down, uh, to calm the kid down. Just some funny, you know, things that you get when you're a little bit older and are looking back as a kid, uh, looking back to being a kid. Yeah. There's a lot of that type of stuff. And we talked about that in the pics, uh Toy Story 1 episode, kind of that stuff you get more as you are older, looking back. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some kind of, a couple of jokes that I definitely wouldn't have got as a kid that I Mm. cracked up at here. Can't remember them off the top of my head, but um, a lot of it was kind of references, though, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the more movies I've seen and the better able I am to draw parallels uh, between movies, I, I learned a lot, you know from this movie about that and like some like the first scene was awesome as far as references Uh like there's so many going on there's star wars sound effects there's uh there's kind of some 2001 imagery going on some music yeah 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 music too With with orchestration yeah like so buzz is like going around on this planet and there's all these robots that pop up at him and then like he shoots his laser at this obelisk looking thing, mm-hmm. you know, the monolith from that movie. And there like there's kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark uh kill shot, I guess, where the lasers go through their chests like multiple mm-hmm. people back. So like it it kills people standing in like single file lines, I guess, all around. That's kind of what the ghosts or whatever did from the Ark of the Covenant when they opened that up. Oh the yeah. 
um, to all those Nazis. Or were they Nazis? I think so. Someone. Yeah, I think they're some, Nazis. Some bad people. Yeah. Um, that was there, and then there's also a little bit of Total Recall vibe I got from it. Mm. Just the planet design. Uh, the intro to Total Recall, he has this like dream, this nightmare, and it's set in a similar kind of like planet. Nice. And that's kind of, I I was expecting Buzz to like wake up at the end of this scene, mm-hmm. but it was Rex playing a video game. Yeah, that was super funny. With Buzz, I totally forgot that element. And then one of my favorite, I mean, my favorite character from the first Toy Story was Rex. I think you said so. I think as well. you might have been, yeah. And this movie he's so funny like he's constantly using video game lingo and you know he's obsessed with the secrets of zerg's thing yeah defeating zerg in the game he's just obsessed with like trying to beat this video game and stuff so it's kind of it's a little bit of i guess maturing of the toys like as the the demographic of these movies is aging now they might be more into video games than like toys per se right yeah that was really funny and he had a couple lines like, oh, it's not suicide, it's a rescue. Just like <laughs> funny stuff. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Always in the background, just making little quips. Yeah, Wallace Shawn, man. Shout yeah, out to that so guy. so good. He's legit. Yeah, uh, did you have any more thoughts on the references? Or I don't think humor? so. I think you pretty much covered it with that intro scene. Uh, I think also on the humor basis, we talked about just the cleverness of the writing of using the world, you know, using things that would be there. I don't know, just off the top of my head, there's, like, some washers in that elevator scene that Buzz uses as, like, throwing, like, ninja stars to Mm -hmm. throw against Zerg. Just, like, they use the things around them very well, and a lot of that is in service of humor. Um, So always got to shout that out. I mean, they use the cones to cross the street. Yeah. And just that whole scene is super, it's super ironic because they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. uh, What they're causing, what kind of havoc they're causing. So just all that kind of stuff, like we've mentioned before, uh, it's applicable again. These movies, the writing is very good and they're super good at using this unique world. Yeah. And I thought this was a huge step up in terms of humor and how they implemented all the various characters this Mm -hmm. time. Um, there's Mrs. Potato Head now, and yeah. there's, you know, I mentioned off the top, there's a second Buzz who's very similar to the first but like the Buzz from the first movie, where he thinks he's an actual space ranger, and he's going around trying to defeat actual Zerg, mm-hmm. when Rex the whole time is just talking about a game, like, oh, that's where the secret entrance is, it's to the left behind the shadows, and he's like oh, to the left behind the shadows. I'll write that down for later or whatever. Like, Yeah, and then that's like at the building, at Al's yeah. building. Yeah, that's so funny. And he just, he takes everything so seriously. And then the the real Buzz, he's just looking at him like, dude, this guy has no idea. Like, mm. was I really like that? He he, asked, so he actually asked that, like, was I this delusional or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good stuff. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a couple other new characters uh, and some... I liked a lot of the expansion on characters, uh, like mm. you mentioned with Buzz. They're kind of growing into this world. They're getting a better bond. I mean, Buzz and Woody's relationship is much stronger uh, after the course of the first movie, and they kind of reference back to that, like, oh, what Woody did to save you. Like, you kicked him off the moving van and stuff, like, with the other characters. Like, man, I wish you didn't have to bring that up. Like, cla- yeah. like always calling back to the first movie and building upon it really well. 
with the existing characters, and then we got some new ones with, like, the second Buzz, and there's Wheezy, which I like. Yeah, he's cool. And I can't remember, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, of course, Jesse and the Prospector and... Bullseye. Bullseye, yeah. yeah. We got the whole Roundup gang, this movie, which was a really interesting uh, and funny way to play on that collector's item uh, aspect of toys. That's true. And also Al's obsession with the collecting aspect yeah dude al's such a greasy dude like yeah <laughs> such a cheeto finger it's kind perfect of guy. it's a perfect character like perfect casting by pixar to get mm-hmm. wayne knight you know newman from seinfeld and mm-hmm. the the dude from jurassic park who's just fumbling about and you know doing a bun- bunch of dumb stuff uh it's just a classic guy to have play that sketchy greasy toy collector who is willing to steal from a freaking kid's yard sale yeah. just to have this uh, pricey item. But you kind of see why, though. You know, Woody's a big deal. Uh, there's no yeah. denying that. And Woody gets a big eye-opening experience seeing all of the memorabilia about him. I mean, it's it's cool to see, actually, Woody's character, like, just how purely good he is. Because mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't really go to his head. I mean, he's definitely excited, like, I'm a yo-yo and all that stuff. Yeah. But he's not, like, bragging about it. He's not, you know, he doesn't change at that moment to be like, oh, I'm better than all Super of you vain. toys. Yeah. yeah. I liked that, too. And with Buzz, he kind of has that inner struggle with, you know, there being multiple of him, many multiple of him. Uh, yeah. kind of coming to grips with he's just one out of a fleet. That's um, true. So that was pretty good as well. That was yeah. really funny. It's a very, you know, we use the term juxtaposition a lot, but it's a good, like, dichotomy between the two uh, characters where, like, Woody is, like, very rare, and then Buzz is, like, so not rare. It's not even funny. Like, mm-hmm. cheap. Like, those guys probably get thrown yeah. away all the time. Um, and... You know, it's an interesting little play that they make between the two characters there. Um, and as well how uh, Buzz is learning, you know, how to... Or he, he's kind of seeing through the other characters' eyes. And he gets to play the rescuer this time. He mentions at the beginning, like, Woody saved me, you know, and I was... Yeah, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier when they right. were having that conversation. Right, and so... And then meanwhile, of course, the main story is, you know, Woody's coming to this decision, this crossroads between, you know, should I be a part of this gang that, like, I'm kind of the key figure, you know, and they need me or else they're going to be in storage forever and, like, I'm basically dooming them. Or do I go back and help my kid who's going to be so sad when he finds out that I'm gone? Uh, And Woody is so optimistic, whereas Jesse is kind of a good, like, foil for him. Um a good counter argument against his optimism where she's been heartbroken before she's been tossed aside and forgotten about for other things. And you can see her pain. And I mean, Pixar's really ramping up the emotion with this one. Yeah. I mean, bugs life. I don't even recall really a whole lot of pathos in that movie. And this one had not really, huh? This one had boatloads. This one had enough to spare for two movies, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that scene moved both Tim Allen, or yeah, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks, and it also moved me as well. Uh, I guess they just were like in tears during that. So, yeah, who wasn't? Yeah, it's super depressing 
that whole scene, that whole sequence. And yeah, I loved how they explored that aspect of toys and you know how kids move on. We might've mentioned that in the first episode, just kind of the, and with the whole yard sale too, like, I think that's a good thing to add under the humor category. It's just like, that's a classic, like yard sales are death for the toys. Like that's so, it's like funny. It's tragic, but it's funny. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Yeah. Jesse is great. The prospector has a decent arc, uh, and he gets, you mentioned it was kind of easy, um, winnings for them to get rid of him, uh, while we were watching it. Yeah. It was, uh, a little anticlimactic. Like if, if he was supposed to be the big bad villain in the movie, I guess spoilers, uh, yeah, we've kind of just been going, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's came out in 99. So it's an 11, 21 year old movie. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like they pretty much just said, see you later and tossed yeah. him and then some girl or they put him in a bag, put him in a bag. I don't know how he didn't climb out, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was a little bit like, oh, well that was easy. And now we're on yeah. the next thing. But I guess the big challenge of the movie, the big struggle was just getting Woody back uh-huh. and, and Woody's inner struggle too versus right. himself and, and helping, you know, Jesse. Yeah. Those two polar, uh, forces that are, um, pulling at him. Yeah. Um, did you have a favorite character this time oh, besides boy. Rex, like a new favorite character or did you maybe want to stick with your one? I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> um, I think the second buzz is pretty good. I think he's underrated. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Like, just off the top of my head, I liked how they played with Zerg and the whole father thing, Total Star Wars again. And then how he's playing ball with his dad, like, how they have that (laughs) relationship after. Like, you get to see what happens after that. That was really funny. I'm going to go play some catch with my dad. (laughs) Yeah. That was good. So I liked him. Maybe Zerg, too. Like, Zerg's a pretty good dude. I mean, he's a terrible villain, but he turns around to be a pretty decent dad. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I think he was voiced by Andrew Stanton. Nice. Oh, yeah. So Um, that's kind of funny. Best dad award, so... Yeah, true. Uh, Playing catch with the (laughs) very same weapon that he was trying to kill his son with earlier. Yeah, pretty funny. Maybe the, uh, the, uh, the guy from the short that comes in and fixes up Woody. That guy's awesome. Oh, yeah. That guy's sweet. He's just guy. Yeah, his, uh... His little box that he whips out all his tools from is sick. I want one of those. That was cool. Prop replica. All those Let's little go. shelves that popped up and oh, the... and they all folded out so nicely. And it's yeah, just, that scene, that montage, has always been one of my favorites. Like, yeah. I remember as a kid just being so drawn into that scene and yeah. how everything had its place. And oh, I love it. I just <laughs> it's oh, really it's my well, type of thing. It's really well staged and framed and all that. Um, I guess you could say cinematography for an animated mm-hmm. movie. I don't know. Uh, what it would, what it would be called, but the way the way that they framed all those shots right. was really well done, and yeah. Speaking of, you said he that's the guy from the short, and if you weren't so sure, there's literally a moment where he opens up one of the drawers and it's a bunch of chess pieces, uh-huh. and he closes it really fast. But if you're quick, you can see it, or if you have Disney Plus with like 4K yeah. streaming, then or if you read the trivia before you watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I caught it anyway. Yeah, that was good. Uh, yeah, no, but this movie, like, again, I haven't seen it in so long, and I don't remember. I didn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird. I remembered a lot of little moments, you know, but I didn't remember, like, how the story went. I didn't remember how it ended. In fact, the whole time, I totally forgot about the airport stuff. Yeah, the airport stuff's awesome. I was like, man, where is this going to go? I didn't. I had no idea how they wrapped it up. 
Um, but I was happy with the ending. And, uh, um, oh, back to my question about the characters. Uh, I, I still love Rex, and I think they did more with him this time that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. But my favorite new character would probably have to be Bullseye. Yeah. Uh, he's just so cute and lovable. And, like, the way that they animated him where it's, like, felt mm-hmm. for his mane and his tail, uh, That's that was really cool. He just – he has some really funny little face expressions. Yeah, some funny mannerisms. They're so yeah. – like, it's hard to describe in words, but I Woody, know exactly like, what you're Woody talking falls about. off his back and he, like, covers himself up and then yeah. walks off the stage. Yeah, and, like, blushes. It's so It's funny. a little bit of a fourth wall break, as much as Bullseye can do for mm-hmm. a character who doesn't talk, but he looks directly at the camera, and he's shy, and he, like, mm-hmm. cro- he walks off the stage as if it were, like, a play. Anyway, yeah. that was good. Um, the ending, they did, in the credits, they did the, you know, stupid <laughs> blooper reel. Fake bloopers with the boom mic in the frame. and so dumb. Fart jokes, too many fart jokes. Yeah, there were two fart jokes. There were that's, two too many. That's two too many. Yeah, they should have done zero. I think there was a burp joke in there. Like, man. Yeah, Buzz is like, yeah. I don't remember eating that. Oh. Yeah, that. Yeah. There was only like a couple of those that made me chuckle. Yeah. But. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty tired gag. It's such a 90s thing to do, man. Yeah, I mean, it might have been funnier in the theater the first time when they did it for like that's Bugs true. Life. I bet they, kids Okay, like I liked it. the Bugs Life one though, where it's like. Well, we got a two, but not a Bugs Life two. And they're like, what do you mean? And then Buzz chops the branch and the bugs fall off. <laughs> it was pretty clever. Yeah. Oh, flick. Yeah. But uh, in terms of sequels, I think they really hit this one on the head. Oh, I yeah. I think they really... I mean, it's been said a million times that Pixar hasn't made a bad sequel. And once they made this and saw the success, they're like, man, this is awesome. Dude, and then... Everything was riding on this movie. Like, yeah. Okay, they had two successful movies... But they before this movie, there was never an animated sequel that Dang. went to theaters. This was the first one that went to theaters, and they were originally going to release it on DVD like every other one uh, in VHS or whatever the format was, but it was just so good that the studio said, let's put it in theaters. Like, why not? Sh- it's good a shot. And That's now awesome. look at Now we have like, I mean, obviously Toy Story 4 came out last year, but... There's tons of animated sequels. Trolls just had one. That's true. Uh, like, everything's getting sequels now that go to theaters. Yeah. And it makes so much money. Seems like every animated movie gets a sequel nowadays. It's such a no-brainer. They make so much money, it's insane. Because all the families... Like, if a kid wants to see it, well, then the mom and dad or sure. whatever, the parents, they're going to take their kids, all the kids, and it's expensive to go to theaters nowadays. Even though, you know, shed a single yeah. tear for... All the theaters that are closed down right now. But, um, yeah. Maybe we can start wrapping things up. What did you think of some of the technical elements? The music? The animation? Yeah, we talked about animation comparing the last two movies. I think this one has the best animation so far. Some of the stuff was still a little cheesy, still a little dated. But they did a lot of things I noticed, like pulling rack focusing uh, from foreground to background and back uh, again to the foreground. There was just some slight technical advancements I could tell. I don't. I haven't read too much about it, but just from my initial like thoughts, I think that this one's a lot more technically complex. I know there's one scene with Wheezy, and when all that dust is flying around, that like broke a record for most particles animated for a computer for a movie or whatnot. Dang. So just, I mean, technology is moving really fast right now at this yeah. time. And, it really was. Um, 
everything just looked sharper and had a lot more detail. There was a lot more tiny particles, again, like I said, and mm-hmm. really good focus, um, lots of good focus shots. Yeah. And angles, too. There, I noticed some good camera angles, like, from the bag looking up to Al's face, just, like, him as this big menacing guy. Like, just right. a bunch of good stuff like that that they were doing technically. Yeah, that's true. It's The filmmaking itself has gotten a little bit better, uh, and the storyboarding and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which Pixar is famous for. They storyboard everything ahead of time. Disney does. I mean, the Marvel movies are all storyboarded, so... Uh, but yeah, it, it was really good. And one thing that I always pay attention to because I'm not that knowledgeable in terms of like animation, I always look for the, the mouths moving and talking. Mm-hmm. And my benchmark was Frozen 2 from last year where I've said this before, but the characters, it looks like they're sp- like humans speaking. It's so realistic. Every it's little crazy. idiosyncrasy in the face. And this movie was way better than Toy Story 1. And it's hard to compare it with Bugs Life because they're not really people. They did have mouths and faces, but mm-hmm. they weren't animated the same way. So it's hard to compare. But with Toy Story 1, a big difference. Just like in that first scene where Woody's talking to the characters looking for his hat or whatever. And you can see him talking. And yeah, like you said, it doesn't look that great, mm. but still way good. I think it's way more polished than Bugs Life. Just... It just looks 3D, like, just generated, like Bugs Life does. Yeah. It feels super, like, the bat, like the, the set doesn't go out very far. Like, the depth yeah. doesn't go out super far. But this one feels like a much... Maybe it's because... Well, they're both shrunk in size, like, scaled bugs and toys. That's so. true. But this one expands the world a lot. Right. The first one, they literally never leave the house, except when they're in another house. And so it's very uh-huh. small scale. But this one, like... They're out on the street. They're at an airport. Yeah. In a plane. They're they're in like a big toy mm-hmm. store. It just like, makes it feel like the world is, uh, of course, a lot bigger. Yeah, it's but growing. The bu- bug's life just felt very like every scene you were in felt really small. I I don't know. Maybe that's I I I'm not taught. It's hard to describe <laughs> because yeah, it seems like that if you're talking about bugs. But just the animation, the boundaries don't seem yeah. very far away. It feels like a close. Yeah, it's really small. Right. Like right. Anyways, not very detailed. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know out. the yeah, I don't know the technical terms. I know there's something for that for like how far your generated world goes out. Mm-hmm. And this one just feels technically bigger. Yeah. Um like the the grid that they were animating or whatnot, <laughs> you know? Like Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, if you don't understand what we're talking about, just skip ahead just, or something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> it was all really good, you know, the voice acting. You got Joan Cusack she's going really hard in this movie is that jesse or yeah jesse nice yeah she was good she was good um very manic Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a lot of pixar characters are and she does a really good job with this um most of the other people i don't think are very well known we talked about wayne knight uh he's a new new voice to the cast but i mean like the stuff that tom hanks is doing in this movie i think is a little bit more rangy than the first movie uh, with woody uh, in fact, I know like Tom Hanks has said before that he's, he always is, is super exhausted after recording mm. for these movies because he's constantly like yelling and screaming and freaking out because that's Woody's character. Uh, and so you can definitely see that, but Woody has a lot more, I guess, quieter moments in this where he can portray some emotion. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Hanks handled that really well. Uh, he's one of the best actors ever. So Yeah, I would agree. There is... A lot of those good moments. 
and yeah, voice acting was good all around the board. I liked all the characters. Um, mm-hmm, all the same ones and the new ones, all great. Sweet. All right. Uh, what would you grade this? I guess when you're comparing oh, maybe man. the first two movies. I can't remember what I rated the last one from Pixar and this one. I would probably say it's a good four and a half stars. For yeah. Me. I really enjoyed it. I think it's the best one so far that Pixar has done. Uh, it's very funny. You know, I had a good ch- a good time watching it. Uh, some movies aren't really meant to be analytically uh, powerful or profound. And this one probably really isn't. It's got some simple themes going on. But other than that, it's just good old comforting fun. So, gotta yeah. give it. Um, sorry, go, keep going. Oh, okay. nothing. Just okay, sorry. I gotta give it its due. So Yeah, I, I'm probably right with you there around four, four and a half. I think that's a great spot for this one. Um, and just to make sure we're clear, uh, the best picks are so far, chronologically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not that's been made ever, because we haven't seen the rest. Wink, wink. Yeah, we're kind of pretending that the rest haven't come yet and just taking <laughs> these as they come. Uh, I like to do that when I do, like, deep dives mm-hmm. into... Like, when I was watching Scorsese movies, I kind of, like, when I watched Taxi Driver, I pretended that, say, The Irishman hadn't come out yet mm. or uh, some other movies that you could maybe, like, draw con- comparisons yeah, to. Yeah, it's so hard not to. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I like to try and separate it and, and imagine what an audience at the time would have felt like uh, when comparing it, so... Mm-hmm. Just uh, imagine that this podcast is coming to you from 1999. Ooh. <laughs> Back before podcasts existed. Yes. But, all right. Um, cool. That was Toy Story 2. Uh, and we can move right along to our next segment, which is what else has been entertaining you this week, bro. All right. Sounds great. Uh, do you want to start us off, or do you want me to go? Uh, you can go ahead. I'll... Okay, yeah. so I've been watching a lot of stuff in prep for our next week. 70s uh, episode, a little bit of a foreshadow there. Um, uh, and some of these I don't think I'm going to talk about. They're not going to be part of my okay. seven, but they might be. So I'm not going to bring them up. I'm also wary about talking about some of the 80s stuff. I think <laughs> I brought up Grave of the Fireflies last week. Yeah, I remember talking about that. And so I won't talk about that. But last night I watched a movie, or... Last night I finished a movie that was really good, uh, and it was actually a catch-up from the 60s that I didn't get around to before Mm. the episode, Um, and I found out that it's leaving the Criterion channel the end of this month, so I decided, yeah, why not? I'm going to turn this on, Um, and it's a movie I've been wanting to see for a long time called Repulsion. Mm. That's Roman Polanski? Yes. Nice. Polanski, uh, director of Rosemary's Baby, Chinatown, some other pretty famous movies the pianist i think uh yeah so it was pretty good i don't think it's as good as rosemary's baby but it's dealing with very similar things themes um it stars Catherine deneuve hey so that was there good you go. that was a little bit of nice a tie-in. yeah i didn't even know that she was in it until i pressed play or whatever but yeah so she she was obviously the star of umbrellas of cherbourg from last week and she was in this. She does a really good job. She's kind of spacey and um, distant the whole movie. She doesn't say a lot, but it is in English. So she has an accent. Mm. Uh, her English isn't the best. <laughs> but it was really good. There's some messed up crap that happens in this movie. Uh, it's kind of a horror suspense movie. It's very much a slow burn. 
not really anything happens until the last like 45 minutes mm. or so. It's probably an hour 45, maybe two hours long. But yeah, it was really creepy and I like movies that messed up crap happens because nice yeah it's right good to get it in movies rather than real life right true but uh yeah it's it's pretty good definitely not like my favorite movie ever so it probably wouldn't have made my 60s list anyway mm. but i'm glad that i saw it because i'm a big fan of rosemary's baby and chinatown and uh decided to give this one a shot so it was really good repulsion nice sounds good okay i had one that has for some reason or another, been on my list for a while. It just always has intrigued me, and I found out that it was streaming on Showtime. Um, so I was really excited because I'd never been able to find this. I always, uh, when it came out, I can't. It came out. Okay, it was two years ago. Okay, that makes sense. I remember it's. It was a pretty small release, so I was waiting for it to come to Redbox or something. I just I never got around to watching it. Anyway, yeah. long way of saying I was been on my long list for a while and this is at eternity's gate directed by julian schnabel i think that's how you pronounce that and it came out in 2018 and it is a film about vincent van gogh acted by willem dafoe um oh (laughs) oh uh it was really good um haven't fully written a review yet i'm kind of behind but at first i was a little bit you could say repulsed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was a little bit off-put by the style. I thought that they were just trying to be artsy for artsy sake, trying to trying too hard to be art house. But I think after it finished, and also I paused it, I think I made some popcorn and I talked to you about it, and you were kind of telling me some trivia about Van Gogh and how he was going blind and some things happening at the end of his life, which is what this movie's about. And that new perspective kind of changed how I saw the style and what the style was doing to further the story and tell about his life and those last days he spent in a small town in France. There was some really cool stuff going on. Um, Willem Dafoe was amazing. I haven't seen a lot of his more, you know, indie type stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you got The Lighthouse this last year, which is, I've heard an amazing performance and then like the Florida project and he's just done a lot of stuff. That's more of that underrated, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. He's not in the big blockbuster stuff. He's more in art house. Yeah. Cinema. He's in really, yeah. and this one was really, a really moving, uh, performance, very convincing. And I think he just killed it as Van Gogh. I think it was probably the perfect casting. Um, it was beautiful. The sets, the color, um, it was like a painting. It was really yeah. good. It made me want to watch Portrait of Lady on Fire again. Mm. Um, both movies about art that are just gorgeous. Yeah, I need to see that still. Um, Dang. So, yeah, I would recommend this one. It's good. Uh, yeah, I watched cool. it on Showtime. And it was pretty good. Cool. Yeah, it kind of struck me as a little bit of Oscar bait when it came out. Mm. Um, yeah. But I do like Willem Dafoe, I think. I think he's really good. I don't know if I really like him, though. I've... I've seen Antichrist, and mm. that, I mean, that movie's messed up, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, he's great in Florida Project, he's great in The Lighthouse, even though I wasn't a huge fan of that, um, but he's a good actor. Uh, Green Goblin, shout out to that guy. <laughs> so, cool. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna talk about anything more. 
Yeah, I don't think I am either. I've got a lot of 70s that I've been watching, so. Yeah. I'll probably just quickly mention, um, last night I was pretty tired, just a long week of work and all that, you know, and, um, I decided to pop on a movie that was just, I didn't have to think a lot about or concentrate on or whatever, and so I, I wanted to re-watch this comedy from 2014, I think, that was actually very controversial at the time because it sparked a lot of um, foreign policy issues with the United States um, and North Korea. And they actually, North Korea hacked into Sony pictures and like, or they, they threatened that if Sony released this movie that they would like, I don't know, do bad stuff to America, <laughs> like bomb us or something. I don't know. Um, and it was the interview, which was, it's, it's one of those like James Franco, Seth Rogen um, group. Uh, I can't remember. Evan Goldberg, the, mm-hmm. those, those people. And I'm a big fan of Seth Rogen. I think he's pretty funny. I, I just like his persona, I guess. Uh, and I think James Franco's a really, really good actor. I'm not sure I'm as big of a fan of his comedy style as I am mm. Seth Rogen, even though they are, like, best friends and they're pretty similar comedically. I just... I I think Seth Rogen pulls off that vibe a little bit better of, like, the weird foul-mouthed stoner guy. Um... And so, yeah, it's the interview. It's pretty funny. It's not as funny as it was in 2014 when I was, like, in high school or whatever. Mm. But it's pretty good. Like I said, it's a bit of mindless entertainment uh, where these these two guys from an interview show, like a talk show, they get invited to South Korea – or North Korea, sorry, sorry. North Korea <laughs> to talk about – or to talk to Kim Jong-un um, and do an interview with him. Which at the time, I mean, he he still is really exclusive and reclusive, and You're nobody dead. No, she... <laughs> nobody could, you know, see him, and so these guys got to go, and it's obviously a fake story, but it's pretty funny. They make fun of North Korea the whole time, uh, because who doesn't like making fun of North Korea? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, pretty good nice. movie. Not the best, but if you're looking for something funny and a bit silly, check it out. It's actually funny that you watched that because I was hanging out with some friends last night and they told me I should watch it. So <laughs> dang, that's hilarious. I was cosmic forces. Maybe I may or may not have been social distancing. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Things are starting to open back up here, so don't worry. Yeah, I think in a couple of days they're really gonna. Dude. I heard by the 15th or 16th. Dude, I went like to some stores two. today that were open, nice. finally, that I've been waiting for, so. Sweet. Cool. Uh, yeah, that was this week. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about next week, bro? Yeah, next week's episode is the next installment of our Top of the Decades list that you alluded to. Uh, this month is seven from the 70s, and if you want to go back in time and listen to the rest of our early episodes, those can all be found at brohaveyouseen.captivate.fm. Yeah, and that includes our six from the 60s and five from the 50s episodes. Mm. So if you want to know what we thought about those two decades, um, give those ones a listen. But all of our episodes can be downloaded from Spotify and iTunes. Mm. And if you liked this show, please take a second to give a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, you, you honestly have no idea like how much it 
can help us. Uh, we say that every time to just grow the show, reach new listeners. Um, we like doing this. It's it's fun, but you know we want to help other people discover new films. So um, any feedback about the show helps us. And if you want to give us feedback directly and personally, you can let us know in your iTunes review or you can email us bro. Have you seen podcast at gmail.com? Yeah, for sure. And each new episode is posted at 6 a.m. on Fridays. Uh, that's Mountain Standard Time. If you want to see what else is entertaining me, check out my letterboxed at Barn Clark. And I'm at Everett Clark 236. See you All next right, week. See bro. you next week.